Welcome to Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. In fact, I, I finished listening to your show a few days ago. Uh, you went solo without mm-hmm. me on presentations. And let me tell you, it was a, it was a great decision because I literally <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about presentations. So thank you. That was very useful. Excellent. Now, we, we have some news on the, about the show. We have a, a new sponsor. We've picked up our first ever sponsor for Canvas. Yes. Uh, and that is a, a company, an app called Airtable. And I will be back later on in the show to tell you more about them. But it's a very cool app. Yep. Um, I love and, a user table. Yep. So make sure to mm-hmm. listen to Fraser later because he, have a, he has a few details to tell you. Yeah. Um, Fraser, we promised our listeners that we would come back to email clients. And we're and back. And specifically, we're, uh, we're back, <laughs> as you may have guessed from the title of the show. Uh, but we're back to talk about third-party email, cl- email clients and the options that you have on the App Store why should you use a third-party client and the features, sort of what you can expect. And as we discussed uh, two episodes ago, uh, Apple Mail is one of the most used apps on iOS. And a lot of people don't know that there's many features uh, available in Mail, and we try to uncover those. But still, um, you know, the App Store launched in 2008, and initially Apple was not allowing third-party email clients. Uh, Only mail was the, you know, it was the only option available to to users. And eventually Apple sort of lifted those restrictions, and developers started coming out with great new ideas for uh, replacements for the Apple mail client. Now there's hundreds of options for email apps on the App Store. Uh, Some of them can be really solid replacements for Apple mail, Others try to focus on different presentations of messages. Others try to focus, for example, on people rather than messages. And there's all sorts of crazy implementations. Uh, Some email clients that take your privacy seriously try to do all local kind of processing. Others that go with with the opposite direction, they do all sorts of cloud processing, cloud features. So there's really a lot of choice here and as usual we we cannot possibly cover every single option. But I have used a lot of third-party email apps over the years, so I thought I could at least try to talk about my favorite ones and to try to discuss this with you, Fraser, if that's Sounds okay. Good. Yeah, I, I've never been a, a huge uh, or, or let's say we say dedicated user mm-hmm. of third-party clients. I've kind of kicked the tires on several different ones, but I've never really settled on one. So maybe, maybe you'll inspire me to, to pick something in particular. Okay. One thing I just wanted to say before we kind of get into the whole thing is a meta point, which I think is very interesting, which is that, you know, on OS X, there aren't really third-party mail clients. And the reason people always gave was because Apple had a free one that nobody could make money making one. Uh, I wonder why it's different on iOS. I think uh, we're sort of starting to see a comeback of third-party email clients for the Mac because I've seen a couple in the past few weeks. Uh, I, I think the interest is, is picking up again. But I guess one of the problems is that a lot of developers, a lot of young developers, uh, especially in recent years, have shifted to making web apps instead of Mac apps. That's the reason why a lot of the ma- native Mac apps you see these days are usually just web clients in a native shell. For example, Slack for Mac is, is a basically a web app with some native Mac features. And I think that's a problem for Apple, you know, because a lot of young developers are uh, 
making web clients and web applications instead of desktop apps. And I think one of the reasons is the Mac App Store, but that's another topic. Yeah, that's a whole other show. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it makes more sense to for these developers if they want to go with the mobile app route, it makes more sense to be on the App Store, you know, just because so. it's more popular. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, before we talk about the individual examples, there's some um, basic groundwork that we need to lay to explain what third-party clients can do and cannot do on iOS. So the first thing you should know, you cannot set a third-party client as a default app, as a default mail app on iOS. Uh, every time you click on a, on a mail to link in Safari or in messages or you click on a person's name, an email address in the contacts app, you will see the Apple Mail app. And that's because you cannot set a default replacement. You Just like you cannot have a default uh, browser other than Safari, you cannot have a default app other than Apple Mail when it comes to email messages. And going along with that, the other thing is that you can't, you know, in, in many other applications like Pages or Keynote or something, you can send something by email and a Compose window comes up right inside the app. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always kind of hooked into Mail. That's kind of a part of Mail that's being shown to you. So you can't choose an alternative application to show up in that space as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's one one aspect to keep in mind. But to, today, most of them have uh, received support for push notifications. This used to be uh, one of the one of the most important aspects back in the day. People would switch to the official Gmail app because it was the only one with push notification support for uh, Gmail accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple Mail doesn't have uh, push uh, notifications for Gmail now basically every single email client has push notification support for Gmail, Outlook. Uh, Some people still use Yahoo Mail. Uh, So I think you can actually see better and wider support for push notifications in third-party clients than in Apple Mail, especially if you're a Google user. Uh, A lot of these apps can access native attachments using document providers so they can uh, of course they can let you uh, insert a screenshot or a photo from uh, your uh, photo library but they can also uh, communicate with document providers and for example you can attach a pdf from pdf expert or a document from quip or any other app which is convenient Uh, a notable example of apps that don't do this fraser can you guess it's google (laughs) <laughs> they don't support. Yeah. <laughs> they don't support a basic iOS feature such as document providers. Yeah, um, they, they let you attach something in your Google Drive, don't they? But you've yeah. got to sort of set this link sharing settings correctly in Drive. So it's not yeah. like they'll pull out of Drive. They'll actually just try and share it to the other person, yeah. and then sort of link into the email or things like that. Yeah, I can imagine someone at Google must be like, what do you mean you use other apps to store your files? You should use Google Drive. <laughs> I, I have heard of none of these things. I don't know what you talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of these apps have support for multiple accounts and most of them have a unified inbox. Just like in Apple Mail, you can view all of your messages uh, in a single mailbox view. Uh, which is uh, called the unified inbox uh, mm-hmm. in today's, uh, you know, standards. And yep. again, one of the notable examples doesn't have a unified inbox. It's Google Inbox, <laughs> which despite the name is still based <laughs> on a per account basis. There's probably a reason for that, but I'll get to it later. Yep. And again, most of them have share extensions. So if you're in Safari, uh 
for example, you can share a document uh, with the with that email client. If you're on Twitter, you can email a link to it to a message with a, with a share extension. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there are some other significant limitations other than not being able to set it as a default app. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, Fraser, is um, you cannot ask Siri to send messages with a third-party email client, uh, and that's because there's no Siri API. Uh, yeah. It's not possible to you know to ask Siri to do stuff with any other app than uh, than Apple's ones. <coughs> And of course, one of the new features in iOS 9 is the ability to use the Apple Mail database, sort of like a, like an information um, source for uh, other tasks on iOS. So mm-hmm. for instance, in iOS 9, um, the contacts app, the phone app, they can look into your email uh, messages from Apple Mail. They can try to suggest email addresses for contacts or they can try to tell you when someone is calling and you don't have their phone number, they can look into, they can look into the, uh, the Apple Mail database and they can say, hey, we think this phone number is from this person that uh, emailed you before. So that came up for me twice and that was very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's something about configuration profile profiles <laughs> and the enterprise which en- <laughs> you're the expert corner, yeah. <laughs> what are you um, talking about Fraser tell I, me <laughs> configuration profiles are, are these sets of settings that you can send out to, to users to to apply something to their iPad and um, sometimes in some third party clients it doesn't always sort of correctly handle them I don't know if they're actually like special cased in Apple Mail as you sent, they open in the settings application and then they apply settings to your iPad. Um, but I've seen some uh, people at school that I've sent them to, like staff members. Uh, sometimes if they're using a weird client, sometimes it doesn't exactly work. It doesn't install correctly on their device. So uh, it's just something to be aware of as well. Nice. And I, and I feel like before we jump into the, the benefits of uh, alternative email apps, we should mention privacy uh, mm-hmm. because it's not always clear what these apps do your data or whether they only uh, they do the, their processing locally on a device or whether they store your messages in the cloud and this is one of the topics that came up uh, mm-hmm. when mailbox launched uh, very famously uh, mailbox I think they stored your email messages on their server of course they did so securely and there hasn't been a breach at mailbox uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, but it's still something to keep in mind you know if your organization or or if you're just your personal opinion, you don't want to uh, store your email messages on someone else's servers in the cloud. Uh, it's something that you should be aware of. Always check the privacy policy. Always check the terms of agreement on the developer's website. And make sure that you're comfortable with what you're getting into. Yeah, and I would say also be, be particularly careful if you're proposing to roll this out in, in a business setting. Yeah. Be, particularly if, you know, I think about myself in a school setting. One of the reasons why I stick with Apple Mail is because I know how it works and what it does. And I know where my mail is going. I know it's going from here. It's going to Google servers. That's all squared away from a data protection point of view. But say, you know, you, you might not know that an app is uh, routing your emails to Gmail via a server in I don't know where. Uh, and, and it could be outside the scope of certain rules that we have for data protection. For example, in Europe, we're not allowed to, without checking certain things, uh, send data outside of the European Union, including uh, the United States. So that's something that you have to bear in mind. So I thought we could go uh, through a list of common benefits 
of mm -hmm. third-party clients and why should you use them and uh, you know what kind of features can you expect from most of them and as I said, there's a huge list of email clients on iOS, especially in the past few months after Mailbox, um, mm -hmm. you know, shut down. There's been even more email clients coming out. <laughs> yep. So it's it's impossible for me to keep track of every single one of them. Uh, but I, I have used uh, many over the years. So Gmail, Google Inbox, Microsoft Outlook, Spark by Riddle, Dispatch, Airmail. There's another one uh, that's come out recently, Polymail, I think it's still in beta. There's another one called Unibox, which I don't really use because it has a different presentation of messages. Uh, I, uh, I think I'm missing something here. There's just too many of them, you know? Yeah, there are. There are, there are too many, but there, there are big trends that you see. And I think yes. in many ways, I think a lot of these apps have kind of hung their hat on the idea that they will... Uh, they will make up for Apple Mail shortcomings. You know, all the complaints mm -hmm. we made in a couple of shows ago about things like the share sheet, PDFs, modern handling of emails, if you like, and, and various other uh, slightly enterprisey features, I think. So uh, we should probably run through some of those yeah. things. And of course, the one, the first one, the one that we've complained so hard about is um, doing a better job with the share sheet yes. and sharing mails to other destinations on iOS. Yes, and there's a... You can see a common trend here. Uh, when you think about sharing an email message, uh, how can you share it? Because there's no single representation of an email message. If you think about it, an email message is a combination of text or attachments or information about the sender. So it's difficult to represent an email message as a standalone unity uh, or you know entity. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, for this reason, I think that uh, a lot of developers are kind of tackling this issue from these different perspectives. Um, so Dispatch, which is an email client from the developers of uh, uh, Clips and Timers, uh, mm -hmm. they're called the uh, Clean Shaven Apps. Uh, it's one of the original, I would say, one of the original email clients for power users on iOS. They let you share your message with the share sheet through two extensions, uh, but the message is shared as plain text, basically. So it's mm -hmm. a plain text representation of a message with the option, this is interesting, the option to attach a URL to the individual message and share it with extensions. So the, the idea is you share a message as plain text, but you attach a link to the message so later you can return to that message and you can choose to attach a message link or a dispatch link. The message link takes you back to the same message in Apple Mail. The dispatch link takes you back to that message in dispatch. So okay. uh, I've seen, uh, I've found this useful uh, with apps like To Do, for example. Mm -hmm. So the contents of, of the message end up in the note field of a task, but the link is used as a browse action. That's what to-do calls it. Okay. So you can tap and hold on a task and return to that message. Um, Airmail takes a similar approach, only, of course, uh, instead of using a dispatch link, it uses an Airmail link, so you can return to the same message as a you know, in, inside of Airmail. And Spark, which is the, the third-party client by Riddle, it also shares ex as text, but it doesn't have a, a URL scheme to return to the message. So I think a lot of developers have struggled with the idea of, uh, of the share sheet Mm -hmm. And how do we share a message? And of course, the the most obvious solution is what would happen if 
on the Mac, if you select a message and you hit command copy, you end up with a, with plain text most of the time. Yeah. So especially when you consider how bad rich text is on iOS, uh, it doesn't surprise me that these developers have ended up with plain text. In an ideal world, what I would like to see, Fraser, is some kind of rich representation of an email message. Like, I want to see an email message as a data type. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sharing an email message. Like, it contains sender information, it contains text, rich text, attachments, it contains date and time, you know? I would like that. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if, if the way forward on that is to have a kind of system-wide database for mail in the same way that we have it for calendar events. Yeah, You know, because exactly. you can install any third-party calendar app and just your stuff is all just there straight away. Um, but I don't know if that might preclude some of these clients from doing some of the more sophisticated uh, timing and handling and things like that, that they do of emails. So, it's, you know, all calendars in iOS basically do the same thing. You know, whereas um, it's the ones that used to have their own cloud backend, for example, that were more sophisticated and could do other things. But then that was taking it out of Apple's database system. So I suppose it's one or the other. Really, it's hard to do both. Yeah. And despite what I've said about plain text and the share sheet, these developers have been clever because in rather than forcing you to go through the normal share sheet and pick an extension every time, they have used uh, the same system. So plain text and URL scheme. Um to provide built-in integrations with apps. So uh, Dispatch and, and, and Airmail, I think, are the best examples here. And also Spark, but I prefer how, the, how the, this feature is available in Dispatch and Airmail. Uh, instead of going through the, the, the Apple share sheet, you can just say, I want to activate the to-do integration, or I want to activate the Fantastical integration. Mm -hmm. So when you share a message and you tap on the Fantastical icon, you're taken directly to Fantastical. So you don't go through the share sheet and you can save a message from the email client into Fantastical or into ToDo or into Todoist, you know, all of these different okay. apps. And it's very useful, very convenient. So you're, sa you're saving a tap every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're saving it up every time, and there's a there's a better integration. You know, all of mm -hmm. the data ends up in the correct uh, field in the in the recipient. You know, in the in the other app, it's very useful. Very cool. Outlook, yeah. Gmail, and Inbox. They don't have any any share sheet, any app integration. Uh, they're just you know, all, all your all all of your stuff is always in there. You cannot share uh, messages. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you tend to see in some, in some of those apps is uh, we, we can save to our cloud storage service, you know, so you can save an attachment to Google Drive in the Gmail app, Yeah, but you can't send it to an arbitrary, you can send it to OmniFocus, for example, if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah, go figure why. Yeah, <laughs> um, strategy tax. <laughs> bring to PDF, Fraser. We've mm -hmm. talked about this before. Um, some of the apps that I've mentioned they use PDF as a, as an alternative to read, uh, to plain text. So if you want to share a message, instead of sharing it as plain text, say you want to have um, inline attachments displayed, mm -hmm. or you want to have rich text, they share as PDF. So Spark, Dispatch, and Airmail do this. They have a custom uh, save to PDF menu. Airmail even lets you save a PDF directly to PDF Expert, which is convenient. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of these apps have a custom print to PDF feature, which I really like. Outlook has a, has a sort of a 
kind of support for PDFs, mm-hmm. which is if you have an iPhone 6S, you can print a message and then we've talked about this before. You can uh, 3D touch on the print preview, uh, you know, the thumbnail of the document, yeah. and it opens a PDF. And then you can share the PDF with other apps uh, because it's a quick look preview. Mm-hmm. So it's Outlook kind of has that. I don't think I've seen PDF support in, uh, in Gmail, Inbox, and uh, yeah. the, other, the other guys. No. I, I guess anything that can print can do that. Uh can do that trick but, yeah yeah you know a print to pdf or email is such a valuable thing because it's that's what you use for your all your e-commerce receipts if you have to send them off to a purchasing department or refunds or something uh is to send them as a pdf on another email so that's that's the value of that feature i guess yeah and uh yeah. you know also in these apps when you when you receive a when you receive a PDF or when you receive any other attachment, uh, usually you can just uh, tap and hold on these documents and you can save them with extensions, export them to document providers. So there's a very solid integration, especially in the top three for power users, which I think are Spark, Dispatch, and um, Airmail. You can rest assured most of the time if you want to send a file or if you receive a file, there's a, there is a support for extensions and for document providers. It's really solid. Um, one of the features that has uh, become popular in the past uh, four years, thanks to Mailbox, mm-hmm. it's email snoozing. So a lot of people, my friend Mike, for example, our friend Mike, for mm-hmm. example, he really likes the idea of snoozing an email message. Uh, so you receive a message you don't want to organize messages in a bunch of folders or mailboxes. Yeah. It wants to keep them all in the inbox, but instead it doesn't want to look at them all the time in the inbox. So what Mike and other people do is they snooze messages. So they temporarily remove them from the inbox and they say, I want to be reminded about this message at you know in two days at 5 p.m. or on Monday at you know 10 in the morning. And how this feature works is interesting because most of the clients have tried behind the scenes they move your message into a folder that they create you don't see this folder most of the time uh, but the message is moved there and then depending on the rule that you create for a date or for a time or th- that message is moved back into your, your inbox and I believe that eventually Apple will uh, will implement something like this, Fraser. Just because it's become so popular, yeah. uh, it's it's l- like when um, Mailbox introduced the idea of uh, swiping gestures on mm. email messages, and Apple <laughs> sort of Sherlocked it. <laughs> that just became an expected thing that you can do in mail Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, just like pull to refresh, for example. Yeah. It just becomes one of those standards. And I think email snoozing is appreciated enough at this point that uh, that Apple will uh, will implement it. Yeah, and I, I personally find this deeply problematic from a productivity point of view because I think it's just... Uh, it's just a way to put off the inevitable in too many cases. Now, <laughs> uh, the, the only time that I, I like to use this feature in, in apps is, say I um, I order some kind of ticket that I want to keep the email around because it maybe is formatted in a very complex yeah. way or something like that. You know, I, I took the kids to the cinema to see The Jungle Book recently and I, I was I was trialing airmail at the time and I just snoozed that email until, you know, 20 minutes before the show started and then it popped back up and got to the cinema, scanned the barcode, we, we were done, you know. Um, but for, for most kind of like 
actual emails to do with business or work or something. I much prefer to try and process them and get them into a task management system and then just get rid of them for good from the email. Uh, and I think I, it's like, this is like the new level of Inbox 10,000 is yeah. uh, Snooze 10,000, you know, and, and <laughs> it, it's so tempting just to say, not now, not now, not now. Yeah. And things, these things just sort of keep coming back like zombies until you eventually kill them. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, still from a, from an app uh, standpoint, uh, the implementation is uh, something I want to talk about because it's kind of different across different apps. Um, yeah. When it comes to date and time, I think Spark by Riddle is the one that I prefer. It has a very nice menu. You can customize the default values for uh, what tomorrow means, what next week means. So you can have different defaults. You can pick a date and time manually, and you can also choose to have a notification or not. So the message can either come back into your inbox with a notification that tells you so, or it can just come back and you don't get a notification. Uh, Airmail also has uh, customizable snoozing times, but you cannot choose to have an alert or not. Yeah, I think you always get the notification uh, when the message comes back into your inbox. Yeah. Outlook as not as a snoozing support you can snooze until i think there's a later today next week or you can pick a time manually so there's not a lot of options the other email client phraser that i wanted to mention is a new one it came out uh, i think last week or two weeks ago it's mm-hmm. called email <laughs> which isn't a really original <laughs> name but it's got, uh, email by easily do so easily do i think it's this company they used okay. to make an app called uh, easily do assistant now mm-hmm. i think they're sort of focusing more on email and it's very polished very very nice uh, to look at uh, app and it has this uh, customizable snoozing menu but there's not a lot of options uh, right now still they're like at version 1.1 or 1.0.1 so it's very early but okay. it's looking nice inbox by google is interesting so you can snooze by time uh and date and there's a very different menu it's like a grid with big icons in the middle of the screen it looks very nice but what inbox does is it also lets you snooze at a specific location so if Mm. you this is interesting because if you if you receive an email that's attached to uh, a location such as uh, a ticket for a movie theater or a ticket for an event or a meetup, for example, you can have that message come back with your ticket or with your receipt when you're at that location. And even better, because Google it's sort of, you know, some people say it's creepy, but it knows a lot about you and it knows a lot about the locations that you go to. Uh, it suggests those locations when you snooze in okay. inbox. So it's very clever. If you're okay with Google, mm-hmm. which I am, uh, it's very nicely done. Yeah, there, there's definitely power in Google Inbox. I think it, it, as an actual email client, I think it needs to get a bit stronger. But in, I mean, isn't it like all the Google apps? It's if you want the thing that Google does best, it's the best thing out there to do, you know, uh, just as yeah. with collaboration and docs and, and sheets and so yeah. on. Speaking of creepy. <laughs> what do you think the original about original creepy yeah <laughs> do you think about yeah. red receipts <laughs> <laughs> get out here is usually my answer to that yeah i, I don't even turn it on for iMessage yeah 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 so uh, there's a trend lately uh it's the ability to to enable these red receipts some people call them red receipts other people call it read receipts i'm not mm-hmm. sure what's uh, i think it's red receipts um yeah Anyway, I think they became popular 
from a consumer perspective, after uh, Spark by Riedel launched them last year or two mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, and now I've seen them in other clients like uh, Polymail, which is still in beta. I think you need an, an invitation for that. And Airmail also has uh, red receipts by now. And of course, they've been popular uh, with uh, newsletter services to track uh, opens, you know, open yeah. stats. Yeah. And uh, I think in an enterprise scenario, when you want to know when Bill from accounting reads your message, <laughs> maybe <laughs> there's a way for that. Uh, yeah. And they usually work behind the scenes by attaching an invisible image. Uh, like an invisible pixel of an mm-hmm. image with a, with a URL attached to that image. And when the other person opens the email and the image is opened, uh, then a bunch of server stuff tells you, hey, look, this image is being loaded, which means your message is being read. Uh, and it's, the idea is to bring the ability to know when the other person reads your message, such as, uh, in, for example, as you see in, in a messaging apps, to bring that to email clients, which personally, I think it's a terrible idea <laughs> because yeah. uh, email is very different from messaging for me. And I also don't like that if a person decides to email me with this uh, red receipt turned on, there's no way for me to say, look, I don't ever want people to know I've read their messages. So it's a, it's a, it's not available to, um, you know, to opt out yeah. of this uh, feature. It's I mean, always the only, there. The only way to break it is some clients have the ability to not load remote images in a, the body of an email. But then that's kind of a, a, it's kind of an extreme way to solve the problem, isn't it? You know, you break your email client just so you can't be... You can't be tracked. I mean, my hands are not absolutely clean on this either because we use MailChimp at school to send emails to parents and we do know, although we don't spend a lot of time looking at it, um, it, it does by default track opens for us so we can see who opened those emails. And uh, I'm not saying it's ever happened, but sometimes when you get complaints about, I didn't know about this, that, or the next thing, you could go back and look at that and say, yeah. well, we emailed you and you did open it. So, you know, uh, that's on you. So. Yeah. One of uh, another feature that's lo- sort of like a modern addition that I've seen in just one client is send later, which yeah. Airmail does. And the idea is you want to send an email at a later time. You don't mm-hmm. want to send it right now. You can schedule it. And uh, Airmail does a bunch of uh, server stuff behind the scenes to uh, put your message on hold, and later it sends out the message. You get a notification. Uh, I can under I can see why it could be useful. Uh, maybe you don't want to give your colleagues the idea that you're up at four a.m. doing email, and <laughs> you want to schedule the message for the morning. Makes or, sense. Or, or you do want to schedule it for four a.m. to make it look like you're up that early. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> look at these guys working at four a.m. Corporate politics and email. There you go. Yeah. Um, I've act- I actually really have wanted this feature for a while, and I'm really tempted to switch to email just for it because. You know, one of the problems with email is that as you, as soon as you respond, somebody can just get right back at you with the next step in the oh, workflow. Yes. So the, the the way I would use this is, is to um, write my emails at some point during the day and then schedule them all to go out at like five minutes to five in the evening so that, you know, the chances of the other person being away from their desk and, and not seeing it till the morning are quite high. And I don't know if that's maybe an old fashioned way of looking at it because who doesn't see their email at home these days? But they might not respond to it until the next day, and you maybe get a wee bit of a breather, because of, you know the problem with email is always that people can just fire the work back at you as soon as you can fire it at them. Mm-hmm. Another feature, and this is one of those that I personally like and use a lot, is saved searches. So. Mm-hmm. 
I want I don't file messages in in folders nope. just because I don't have the patience. No. Uh, what I want to do is I want to have uh, searches like saved searches for stuff that I regularly look up. You know, like newsletters or messages from certain companies or people. And yep. uh, Spark and Airmail do this. Uh, I prefer personally uh, the implementation in Airmail because it uh, it lets you enter the same tokens and on operators that you can use on Gmail. So okay. I can mix and match, you know, the, the Gmail syntax for advanced search, use that in Airmail. And I also like very much how, unlike Spark, which is also a fine choice if you want to do safe searches. But in Airmail, I can choose a custom color for each search and I can decide the position of uh, safe searches in the sidebar. So the way that I like my email client layout is my inbox, my accounts, my saved searches, drafts, and sent messages. And, okay. I, and I really like this layout. And Airmail lets me adjust the position of these items. And I love how I can choose a custom color for each search. So I have a, a custom search, which is uh, gold for Club Maxoris. So I mm -hmm. can view my own newsletters. Then I have a red one for my girlfriend. I have a blue one for Mike and so forth. It's very nice. Uh, and, and it's surprisingly, a lot of, uh, a lot of clients don't let you do um, save searches, you know? I don't know yeah, why. It is quite a kind of high-end feature. And, and I, yeah. I think, uh, here's, a, here's a guess, right? I don't know if this is true or not, but I suspect that um, the apps that do this better are using the Gmail API for some of that stuff mm, rather probably. than just, you know, because it would be very hard to implement that in a, in a consistent way if you didn't ever download all the email to the, to the machine or cache it on your own cloud. So, uh, you know, just searching pure IMAP is incredibly slow. Um, so I suspect there might be some Gmail API stuff going on there, particularly when some of those apps really line up exactly with the, the syntax of Gmail. That might be the reason why only some do it. So before we, before we move to the conclusion, I thought we could uh, divide, if you will, mm -hmm. these apps that we mentioned in two sort of categories, the power user clients and the smart clients. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think it's the two trends that we're seeing right now. Yep. So in terms of power user stuff, like people who want to work on iOS, I think the best three choices for you would be Airmail, Spark, and Dispatch. Okay. This and, and, and these are these are apps that you're saying are sort of, th these can potentially be full power replacements for Apple Mail. That, that yeah. would be kind of the definition of that, yeah. Yeah, the replacements yeah. for Apple Mail and with a lot of uh, sort of focus on productivity okay. and integration with apps and that kind of stuff. I would say Dispatch uh, in this category would be my last choice, if only mm -hmm. because it doesn't have push notifications. Uh, so you cannot be alerted of new messages as they come in. It only does background fetch. Okay. So, you know, keep that in mind. However, Dispatch is the only app with... Um, snippets and text expander support so you can save time by typing with their own snippets which is very convenient mm -hmm. and it's the only app that has these awesome features which is called custom salutations so by default dispatch can reply to a message say you send me a message fraser mm -hmm. dispatch when i hit reply it defaults to putting hi fraser at the top because oh, okay. it, because it looks at the sender's name and it puts hi 
you know, name, mm -hmm. and you can then tap on that to remove it or to say never use a custom salutation for this person because maybe it's like your wife and it'd be weird if you <laughs> reply to your wife with yeah, hi, name, a, you know. Uh, and it also does, uh, Dispatch has this uh, very nicely done forward and redirect actions. Uh, the idea is that a lot of web services these days, they let you email stuff into their, you know, into their service. Like you can send emails to your Slack account or you can send emails to your Evernote. And uh, Dispatch has an interface to make this action nicer uh, to look at. So you can have a redirect action uh, with the Slack icon, for example, or a redirect mm -hmm. action with the, with the green Evernote elephant, which is nice. Okay. Still, my go-to client these days is Airmail. And there's a bunch of things that I like. App actions, I really like the app integrations in Airmail. So I can turn a message into a task. I tap the to-do icon. It's very nice. Smart searches, as I've just said, uh, they're really nice. Really well implemented in, uh, in Airmail. They support all kinds of attachments, whether you receive them or whether you want to send them. There's an integration with document providers, with iCloud Drive, with uh, Dropbox, Box, all of these other services. Very nice. Push notifications with uh, with uh, ac actionable buttons in uh, in banners, so you mm -hmm. can archive a message as it comes in. Very nice. Yep. And you can... This is the uh, only in Airmail you can do this. You c the, you have totally customizable gestures when you swipe on a message. You can even have more than two and three and four <laughs> actions wow. for each swipe. Okay. So if you really want to go crazy, you can assign like four actions to a single left swipe. Uh, it's wow. A, it's, <laughs> it can be a little too much, but still. T tell me, can you trigger a workflow by swiping an email? You need to go through the extra step of uh, of uh, the share sheet. Okay, so you know, I actually run should, a workflow there, yeah. I should tell the guys to have a custom <laughs> workflow integration that you make him think about it because a few weeks ago, uh, a Club Stories member asked me uh, to come up with an airmail workflow and I did, but you have to go through the share sheet to okay. run the workflow extension, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting close to just, you know, from your email, you can use like Emacs, but for email, you can just trigger anything. You know. Close enough. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, Spark, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's my second, uh, gets my second spot in the in the power user category. Um, I do like how Spark has a great Apple Watch app. It's, I really like the design. Mm -hmm. They have a natural language search. So instead of using uh, the Gmail uh, operators, you can write stuff like messages from Fraser in the past month and uh, Spark mm, brings okay. up uh, results, which is nice. It's got a clean interface. It's fast. Airmail can still be a little buggy, a little rough around the edges. Spark mm -hmm. is really polished, really fast, really nice animations. And it's got this customizable widgets and appearance settings so you can decide to have uh, um, buttons for shortcuts across the top or you can have a floating sort of sh uh, widget at the bottom so it's up to you to decide but I personally I prefer the sidebar approach of okay. Airmail because it reminds mm -hmm. me more of a Mac app um, now this is interesting smart clients what do I mean by smart clients and uh, 
In the past few years, we've seen this trend of messages uh, of email clients trying to process your the messages for you, to organize them for you, to find information inside them. And Spark is actually stands in a little bit of both camps uh, because it can also automatically categorize your messages. Uh, the readle folks call this the smart inbox, which organizes your uh, important messages and it separates them from notifications such as uh, you have 20 new followers on Twitter and uh, newsletters. So it does a good job at separating these messages from each other, but that's about it. It doesn't do any sort of more crazy stuff. Um, Outlook follows a similar direction. It's got this feature called the focused inbox. Uh, it wants to separate your important emails from everything else. And uh, you can train Outlook to say this person is not important, which is really sad, or <laughs> this person is actually important, and you should put it in the in the in the focus inbox. Mm -hmm. When I when I used Outlook for a few months last year, initially I liked this feature, but eventually, you know what happened, Fraser? I Too just many mistakes. I ended up with a bunch of <laughs> messages in the note focused inbox. Ah. And I just did it's it was like a lot of junk in there. Mm -hmm. And it was I wasn't really organizing my inbox. I was just like sweeping it under the rug, you know? I was yeah. just hiding it from view. And so eventually I turned it off and I try to be more disciplined with my inbox. I want to be able to go to inbox zero every couple of weeks if I can. Uh yep. But I don't think the idea of hiding messages in a separate view is, you know, works for me. This episode of Canvas is brought to you by Airtable. Airtable can be used by individuals or groups of people for a whole variety of different uses. For example, Airtable is used for wedding planning, apartment hunting, film production, cattle farming, and in many Fortune 500 companies. Airtable's unique real-time and collaborative capabilities make this possible. There's three big categories of things you can organize in Airtable. Those are groups of people, stuff, and tasks. Airtable has been built to make sophisticated functionality as elegant as possible. And in a world filled with simple and inflexible apps, Airtable instead gives you the ability to create the structure that makes the most sense to you. Think of it as a Lego kit instead of a push-button appliance. iPhone and iPad apps are available. Android apps are in beta right now. There are integrations with your favorite apps. Fully-fledged Zapier integration that allows creation as well as searching and updating of records. Direct integration with Slack. File attachment integrations with Dropbox, Box, Google Drive, Gmail, Evernote and more. And you can find out more about all of this by going to Airtable.com. Thank you so much to Airtable for their support of this show. Google Inbox is a very interesting one, isn't it? Yes, this is uh, my top choice for mm -hmm. uh, smart, cli smart clients. Um, it doesn't have a unified inbox, so keep that in mind. Yep. But it does a lot of other crazy things. So the main feature is it organizes your messages in bundles. So a bundle is like a collection of message types. So you have social a social bundle for like social emails like Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. You have updates, so like newsletters, that type of stuff, like updates from a service. Um, then you have trips. So trips is amazing. Yeah. It looks into your 
travel-related emails. So like flight confirmations, hotel reservations, um, receipts for car services, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it, and what it does is it creates a card for a trip. Like it says, trip from Rome to London. And it extracts every detail from different messages, such as flight date and time, flight number, hotel schedule. So it creates an itinerary for you in a very beautiful presentation. And it looks amazing. And every time... So I, right now I'm looking at um, at a trip bundle that uh, Google Inbox created for me from my trip from Rome to London to San Francisco. And it basically generated this preview card from like 10 messages and all of the details are in the right place and it's quite frankly impressive it's very impressive yeah it's it's curious to me you know how many other scenarios like are like that in your life and and i think you know like your experience of email and my experience of email are, are very kind of businessy orientated i suppose you know like my email is just like work appears in my computer and i have to do it at some point but you know, if I look at like my wife's inbox or my mother-in-law's inbox, uh, and th- those are real examples, I'm not just taking them to be pejorative, but you know, their email is an experience of leisure and joy. It's you know, here are things I'm, I'm going to do. Here are special offers for cheaper stuff that I I already know that I love because I've signed up for these things. You know, um, their emails are all you know leisurely and enjoyable, and they're they're about doing fun things, whereas my men are just about work. And, and it would be interesting to see. Could you? Could Inbox in the future maybe uh, create cards for projects that you have to do based on, you know, 10 emails about the school's community involvement day and who's doing what when? Could it actually generate some of that stuff? I feel like the, the Trips Bundle is deeply impressive, don't get me wrong, but it's that data is already very structured. Yeah, and it would be very interesting to see if, if Inbox could extend into much less structured data that yeah. humans wrote. Because really, what you're looking at there is, uh, I suspect there's a lot of kind of manual programming of certain companies' emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, if you get a British Airways flight, or you get something from TripAdvisor, or you get something from uh, the Hilton yeah. Group, or something like that, Google can program in there. Well, what does the Hilton Group's emails look like? Whereas I've noticed like some other um, service providers, uh, I, Google doesn't know about them as well. Like, for example, ScotRail, when I get the sleeper train down to London from Glasgow, um, Google Inbox, at least the last time I was running it, didn't know how to parse a ScotRail ticket receipt, for example. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting to see just like how much machine learning can come into that. Because I suspect a little bit like Siri, there's quite a lot of special casing going on right now inside the Trips Bundle to make it just as impressive as it is. Yeah, and uh, a problem for me is also the fact that because you cannot have a unified inbox, I need to switch back and forth between accounts if I want to see these bundles. So I cannot have a unified account view that says, that inbox can say, look, I've uh, I've, uh, seen in two different accounts that you have these different email confirmations, so I'm creating a bundle for you that fetches emails from two accounts at the same time. So it's very much still based on a per-account basis, which I guess it's because, and this is the reason why they don't have a unified inbox, it's because Google very much treats uh, accounts separately so it's, it'll be yes. difficult for them to say uh, we have gather, gathered this data from you from two accounts you know that's not how Google works um, 
But you mentioned Fraser Machine Learning, which mm -hmm. is something that Google Inbox has started doing with these mm -hmm. uh, pre-made canned replies. Okay. Uh, so it's... They're kind of primitive still, uh, but in some messages you can uh, scroll at the bottom in Google Inbox, and depend depending on what's in the in the original message, you get these replies such as "Okay, thanks" or "Sure, I'll check it out." You know, this type of quick responses. It's kind of like the text responses on the Apple Watch. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that's the idea. And Google says that uh, they generate uh, those replies with uh, machine learning and they're looking at uh, the way that people talk and people write email naturally mm -hmm. with uh, the Google inbox uh, bots, I guess. Uh, I've used them on a couple of occasions. They're sort of nice, uh, but I'm not sure about them, uh, you know, for uh, like, I wouldn't message my friends or my colleagues yeah. with these responses because I think they can figure it out, you know? And I feel yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, and, they'll, they'll tell it eventually. It's yeah. a Turing test, isn't it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, a new entry that I mentioned, email by easily do. So they don't have an, an, uh, an iPad app yet. Um, it still doesn't work as nicely as Google Inbox for uh, trips, for example. You mentioned mm -hmm. uh, British Airways. Uh, in my case, email by easily do wasn't able to find an email by, by British Airways because it was an Italian uh, confirmation email. Oh, okay. So they don't, you know, Google can, can look at uh, different languages. So I get uh, notifications in Italian, notifications in, in English, and Google is smart enough to figure it out. Uh, these guys uh, easily do, still are not able to. Still, it's very nice. The design is very polished. They have this assistant feature that uh, can categorize um, email in uh, subscriptions, travel, packages, bills and receipts, and entertainment. It's nice. The interface is, looks very good, very colorful. They have custom previews for these categories, but they need to support more uh, international email types because right now it seems to be limited to US dollars, uh, English messages, okay. and uh, I've seen a few uh, oddities with, uh, with my email accounts. That's just the whole scene where Google is going to overpower anything there yeah. in terms of how much they can understand and how broad their reach is compared to any other company, I think, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, Fraser, to wrap up. Okay. If you're looking for the most powerful email client as a replacement for Apple Mail with a lot of app integrations, desktop level, so desktop class control and settings, my recommendation is AirMail. I use Airmail on my iPhone, on my iPad. I enjoy the customization a lot. I mm. enjoy the fact that I can sync all of my settings with iCloud, so I don't have to set it up all over again on another device. Very nice. If you're looking for uh, an alternative to Apple Mail with some basic enhancements, such as snoozing or you know integration with, uh, with cloud storage services, I would recommend Outlook. It's free. It's updated very often by Microsoft. It's got a clean design. It works reliably. It's you know it's uh, if you if you don't want to go crazy with the power user stuff, if you only want to have some basic additions, Outlook is a is a solid choice. On the other side of the spectrum, if you're looking for the fanciest, uh, smartest like email client with a lot of uh, cloud-based processing, uh, mm -hmm. Google Inbox uh, is very impressive. Yeah. Um, especially 
if you have one Google account, one Google identity, and you send all of your notifications and uh, personal correspondence in there, Google Inbox can be can be very useful because it does a lot for you. Yeah, I think Inbox is also really, really useful for people who are just completely overwhelmed by email at the moment. You know, you can hook it into your your inbox. So you've got like a a thousand emails in in your Gmail and you don't know what to do about it. Uh, Firing up Inbox is a really good way to just kind of start to cut through that and it will try and categorize it into those different areas. And that will try and surface the things that are important. And then you could actually look at some whole tabs like notifications and just go, okay, all of that is gone. But it's too difficult to pick those out one by one in, in an overcrowded inbox. Whereas uh, Google Inbox, uh, the app, is a really good way to sort of start to get control of your inbox again. And, and even just for short times when things go crazy and you're overwhelmed, even just launching Inbox for five minutes can, can sometimes really help as well. So it's another good way to sort of get control of that. Yep. Well, I am overwhelmed with knowledge. You have certainly <laughs> inspired me to... Uh, uh, particularly airmail you know I, I have airmail installed but i haven't i've kind of been uh watching its notifications come by but i haven't really been using it as my as my yeah. main client but uh, i, I want to start looking at, i've been spending a lot of time with automation and ios recently mostly because of the new stuff that's come out for omnifocus uh the new automation features in omnifocus so i'm very interested to see what can i do with that what can i do with mail how can i how can i start to because my, my thing always is, is how do i extract the embedded work inside an email message that's the you know i mentioned that a couple of shows ago and that's the thing that i'm always trying to do better or and more accurately in one go yeah. rather than just at the moment what i do is i forward those emails into omnifocus uh, which you can do through a, a mail gateway that omni provides but then that still hasn't actually unpacked the work that's just got it out your inbox and, and it's kind of like snoozing but you know manual snoozing or, or hipster snoozing if you like where i've got to go and look at it in another list later so trying to maybe do a little bit more with that would be an interesting way to spend probably my summer or my next holiday whenever it comes up so good stuff so that's the end of our show on using third-party mail clients i think uh, you'll want the next two weeks to try and go and go and play with all of these and see how you get on uh, we'd love to hear any feedback that you have on this topic we've already had some good feedback on the the previous show about email and and some suggestions for things to look at there you can find the show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash canvas slash 10 we're into double digits now. There yeah. we go. Tenth, tenth show. I, I, I would say we, I never thought we'd get here, but I knew finally we'd get here because we had so much to talk about. Uh, but you can connect with the show at underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. And I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. And Federico is Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I don't know why I always feel I have to spell your name and not my name because there are <laughs> potential spelling errors in my name as well. For Mine is actually for, easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, S-P-E-I-R-S if you're looking for me. Uh, so we'll wrap it up there for email and we will talk to you guys next time.